0: Planes go up, planes go down. What planes don't do is just vanish off the face of the earth. We have breaking news. Malaysia Airlines confirms it has lost contact with a plane carrying 227 passengers. It seems to have vanished into air. What do we tell the family members? What do we tell the media? My daughter asked me,
1: where is Papa? It's just so unimaginable. I felt completely shattered. I lived in denial about the plane having some sort of crash. The world tout All of a
0: sudden, it's not possible. It's a cauchemar, Reveillez-moi. What happens next is like a rip in the fabric of reality. Theories about the missing plane are going viral. It's possible it was hijacked. We don't know. This very mysterious and very suspicious cargo. The pilot's home flight simulator was removed by police. I have the real evidence. It's there, and you can't deny that. Never in history have 239 people been declared dead on the basis of mathematics alone. Some debris has been found. Who planted there? Who brought the piece there?
1: They are lying from the beginning.
0: They are lying to the whole world. MH370 is not just an unsolved mass murder. It's potentially an act of war. How is it possible for an airline to disappear out of thin air? Someone knows the answer. The question is who? America is presented by the good people at the Bob Belly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. Killer. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect number us from the university. university. A study on the is called Everybody wanted. Everybody, what, all the details about the details, that we had in our possession, had in our possession. Oh. Nindo, Nindo. There's an no old saying in Tennessee. I know There's it's a touch problem. of sí. Tennessee, I know Tennessee, Tennessee, no. Tennessee no, I know a problem. Like we always do about this time Boom, alright everybody, welcome to episode 323 of the R.J. Do America Podcast I am your host, in the place to be Mr. Jacob Pete, and sitting right across from me Is the brown moose Mr. R. Trail Art, say hello to the millions
1: And millions, what the fuck is up guys, guys, I'm coming in hot like Jason (laughs) Aldean. Uh, guys, go to kmancoffee.com Check out their entire inventory They got the coffee beans They got the hubbis you, They got the cacao butter Everything your heart desires uh, Use promo code America at checkout to receive 15% off um, Dude, Kman Coffee is where it's at Nitro cold brew Stop drinking those energy drinks, dude Start drinking the nitro cold brews Again, use promo code America at checkout to receive 15% off Take a picture of yourself drinking the nitro cold brew Waking your ass up Uh, tag us tag them we appreciate it they appreciate it
0: and speaking of sponsors guys I need everyone to head on over to sukerapparel.com where the great and powerful Nicole Simon Bosch has put together an illustrious array of merchandise for your consumption pleasures so uh, check out all the stuff that she has at her store you know put it in your cart you know everything that you love want desire and maybe pick up something for somebody that you love want or desire Uh, Halloween is not near, but obviously places like Lowe's and Home Depot and hell, even Target has like a little tiny like Halloween display like popping up. Already, huh? It's barely like July 23rd. Yeah, it's fucking hot as hell out there, dude. (laughs) I ain't trying to think about Halloween right now. I'm trying to put a a am trying to survive. I'm not trying to put a sheet over my fucking... uh, Whoa, dude. Sorry, Siri wanted to... Tell me something. Um, I'm not trying to put a sheet over my head like Jason Aldean in a small town. (laughs) Just yet. Uh,
1: I'm the ghost of a Confederate soldier. (laughs)
0: Like Jason Aldean. Try that in a small town. (laughs) Oh, man. This is lovely. Uh, But anyways, listen to Patreon to get all those jokes. Or if you're aware of what's happening uh, you'll get that joke anyways but anyways regardless of the fact buy something for somebody that you love want or desire for Halloween she's got some cool skulls and stuff that you know coincides with Halloween as well so go on over there uh, buy something that you want love and desire but before you hit checkout guys I need everyone to enter promo code Art and Jacob and the great and powerful Nicole Bosch will give you 10% off your entire purchase but Art we're not here to talk about that racist bastard Jason Aldean or all the lovely merchandise Nicole Smith-Bosch, who is not racist, uh, has up for sale at her merchandise store or coffee, cold brew, and how hot it is. She's from South
1: Africa, so she knows racism, but she's not racist.
0: No, she is not. She
1: loves yeah. the world. She, Yeah. She sings We Are the World every morning. That's <laughs> she wakes up
0: just to make sure. Oh, okay. She hums it while she brushes her teeth. She's like, all right, mm-hmm. cool. I'm not racist. Another day mm-hmm. of not racist. <laughs> you know, like that that Spike Lee movie, I forget what it's called or whatever, where it's like a black hand interjoining with like a white hand or whatever. <laughs> she just reaches across like her workstation and like does that every day just to like drive home the point.
1: <laughs> I don't know that movie at all. I was like,
0: I'll show girl, you after girl we record. Six? <laughs> it's not gross. <laughs> no, it's not. No, something else like something fever. I want to say like. Mm-hmm. But anyways, we're not here to talk about Spike Lee movies or how Nicole Smith-Bosch is not a racist like Jason Aldean. Art, what are we here to talk about today? We're here to talk about
1: Malaysian Airlines Flight 370, mm-hmm. the, the missing Flight 370.
0: Yes, and the most expensive search for any downed airline in history.
1: Yeah, you know what's okay. So a couple of things before we get into the topic. One, when doing research for this topic, my YouTube YouTube algorithm started being like, oh, you must be into like missing planes. And apparently there's like a lot of missing planes, mm-hmm. a lot less interesting than this one. But uh, also, number two, dude, this feels like. It was not that long ago, but it was 2014 already, dude. I know, it's almost 10 years now. Yeah, dude, it's fucking nuts.
0: Next year will be 10 years. And I think of 2014, like, oh, that was just last year. Oh,
1: that was just Barack Obama. That was a little bit ago. Yeah, oh,
0: wow, yeah. Yeah, that was two presidents ago. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Barack's got, like, gray hairs now, dude. Dude's got, like, white hairs and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, speaking of which, like, I didn't know this. I was listening to a podcast about this topic. I guess, like, at the same time this was going on, Uh, In 2014, I guess the White House, I guess uh, Nixon or somebody installed, like, a bowling alley into the White House. Okay. And then Barack Obama said, like, fuck that. We are not playing uh, bowling in the White House any longer. And, like, he took out the bowling alley and put a basketball court in, which I think is fucking badass. Like, Uh if I ever get the chance to go to the White House and I get to, you know, play a game of horse with fucking Joe Biden or somebody yeah. or whoever the next president is, yeah. fucking Gavin Newsom or fucking, you know, Ron DeSantis or whoever the fuck is or whatever. By the way, I'm going to crush whoever I play. I would rather play fucking basketball than fucking bowling with, like, yeah. the president of the United States or whatever. But I guess uh, the big controversy was that Barack Obama was doing that, and I guess, like, one of the senators was like, what's next? They're going to change the menu to fried chicken or whatever. And it's just like, damn, oh, damn. Damn. Damn! Speaking of, don't
1: try that in a small town. Don't try building basketball (laughs) courts in a small town.
0: God damn! Yeah, Jesus Christ! uh, It was that one senator that was like linked to like the.
1: Um, Al Qaeda. Uh, yeah, no,
0: no, the opposite. <laughs> K, the KKK and shit um, or whatever, but uh,
1: I wouldn't say they're the opposite. They're pretty pretty similar true. beliefs. Yeah, true, just different tone skin. But yeah, yes, so it's like, but I white and you brown. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's true. Um, but anyways, that that was like a big thing going on. And I got to admit, um during 2014, I think this is like when we were both working at uh, Target. Uh, I had two jobs during that time period. So mm-hmm. I remember this happening but, like, I don't remember all the details. I just remember, like, oh, Malaysian flight. It, like, it was being all over in the news that it was missing. Uh-huh. And then something happened. Like, the Barbie movie came out and, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Away.
1: The channel changed. Um, one of the like, crazy things about it is I didn't know all the hijinks that were happening. Like, there were so much so much like weird stuff happening like m- the malaysian government was just like i don't know man we like <laughs> w- figure it out don lemon like it was just really really weird like like i i didn't know that and obviously i wasn't following it as closely back then i was more like probably just fucking goofing off at this time period but uh and th- there were all kinds of things like they didn't they fucking um Boston bombing also happened in 2014 or I around so. that time period. Like, there was just all kinds of wacky things going on at this time period that I wasn't going to just follow a missing plane. And and planes had gotten missing past before, so I wasn't that, like, I was like, nah, this would probably never affect me in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. I'll never do a podcast about this. <laughs> but here we are.
0: I already graduated from a fucking college. I don't need to know about uh, fucking shit.
1: Don't need to know about fucking aviation and all this shit. <laughs> uh,
0: but anyways, Art. Uh what triggered you to want to do this topic? Um,
1: hmm, that's a good question. Uh so I felt like we were doing a lot <laughs> a lot of like not so weird topics. Like I was like as 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 my brain was scrambling to like to like you know, we did East Coast, West Coast beef and then we did what did we do before that? We also did like a music one or mm-hmm. top 10 comedians, things like that. And, and those are great. Th- those are great episodes. Definitely check those out. But I wanted to definitely do something that was like, you know, weirder, fringier. Like there's conspiracies behind there. There's theories, like more mystery stuff. I, I just felt like I was like, we overdue. we need to do some more mystery stuff. I just felt like I, I was, my mystery itch was definitely,
0: yeah. Had
1: to get scratched. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: So anyways, you want to jump into it? Yeah.
1: Uh let's get into it. So let me pull up my notes here. Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> Malaysian Airlines Flight 370. Uh, as we mentioned this in the past, this was in 2014. Um actually, uh no, I don't I, I wish I would have organized my notes a little bit differently, but uh, pretty pretty normal day, March eighth. 2014. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the weather's like over there, but I assume it's <laughs> nice and calm
0: and and humid maybe. Humid.
1: Usually it's humid over there. Um, I don't know, dude. Right away, like anytime I do, like anytime I see stuff like this, like my mind goes to like all the flights that I've ever taken, and I'm just like, that fucking sucks, dude. Imagine mm-hmm. being on that fucking plane. That fucking of all the fucking planes that took off today, this is the one I had to take. Yeah. But, anyways, yeah, March 8th, 2014 uh pretty normal everything about this flight 100% normal nothing nothing abnormal with this one this is a massive plane it's a Boeing 777 mm-hmm. those are the massive Boeing planes um uh, it actually i don't know if you looked at the the charts or the, the schematics of the plane but mm-hmm. it looked pretty crowded for such a large <laughs> plane like it's I, I believe it's two seats
0: Three seats, two seats mm-hmm. is the way it's set up. So, and that's in like coach, and then like you know first class. Obviously, it's like you know two seats <laughs> per aisle kind of yeah. thing because like, you know they are wider, more leg room and shit and whatnot. But yeah, it, it was crazy. Like there was um, twelve crew members, and uh, I believe it was two
1: hundred and twenty-seven uh, passengers.
0: Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that that is a healthy amount of like that's, weight. That's a packed house. Yeah. To be putting on, and it's to, to to put it into perspective too. It was also a red eye flight uh, that was headed towards from um Kuala, uh what is it Kuala Lumpur uh, to Beijing, China, and whatnot, which is like a five and a half hour flight, which is like the equivalent of you know flying from L.A. to Hawaii. Um, and it was a red-eye flight overnight, so most of these people are, like, you know, packing on, getting ready, like, I guess I'll just, you know, fall asleep, and, you know, once I get to Beijing... Yeah, that would be my game plan. Yeah, like, you know, I'll wake up at my destination kind of thing. So it wasn't gonna be a lot of frills. There's gonna be just a normal, everyday kind of flight. Red-eye flight kind of thing. Very quiet, you know, not a bunch of kids, you know, crying in the aisles and shit or whatever, but, you know, yeah. nice, like, little just flight to Beijing.
1: But there were kids on the aisles. I just want to... I mean, kids in the, on the flight, which <laughs> which uh, does make it a little bit more of a tragic story as we get more and more mm-hmm. into it. But uh, no, they I, were firmly in their seats. Yeah, they were firmly in their seats, being good children. So if they, you know, however things go, they're now in heaven. Yeah,
0: one hundred percent sure they are in heaven. Yeah, the innocent. Um, uh, it's also worth noting too that the flight had one hundred fifty three uh, uh, citizens uh, from China. Uh, the next was uh, fifty citizens from uh, Malaysia, and uh, then also two. I mean, there was three people from uh, United States, six from Australia, two from Canada, four from France, five from India, uh, seven from Indonesia, two from Iran. Which is later discovered that they were flying on stolen passports. I believe it was like they Italian were, passports. And they were
1: they were German passports. They were headed to Frankfurt, Germany, mm-hmm. and they. We'll talk more about them because there's a lot of conspiracy theories about those two two passengers, but for the most part, as far as what the facts that are related to that, they were asylum seekers. Correct. They were just trying to get to Germany for asylum. Yeah, get the fuck and, out of Iran. Yeah. And literally like, you know, their families that were waiting for them in, in Frankfurt, Germany were when the plane didn't arrive, they were like, what is going on? Like, you know, they were supposed to be here. So what's going on? So they were pretty easily cleared, but you know, there's still weird conspiracies about them.
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, as well as racism, uh, yeah. good old fashioned Jason Aldean uh, racism. Try
1: that in a small town. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: one person from the Netherlands, one from Russia, one from Taiwan, and two from the Ukraine. So yeah. it was a pretty diverse crowd there.
1: Packed house. Yeah, tough, tough room. Uh, but yeah, I mean everything goes without a hitch. Pretty, pretty early morning flight. Middle of the middle of the night, really flight. Um, uh let me see i'll have a breakdown here of the exact times. I believe it's one nineteen a m is when the flight actually takes off mm-hmm. takes off um and for the most part, everything is going normal for the first i believe thirty eight minutes of the flight. nothing abnormal is happening um it's still on radar they're everybody they're communicating perfectly fine with with the Malaysian airlines flight control. nothing abnormal. They're communicating just fine. It's not until 38 minutes into the flight where a, a massive important thing, really, I don't know that much about aviation, but something pretty important happens, and that's when they go from switching from Malaysian Airlines flight control to I believe they're going to be flying into Vietnamese Vietnamese air control.
0: Yeah, I believe it's Ho Chi Minh uh, air traffic control. And um, I didn't know this. I mean, and there's a lot of things that, you know, going into this topic like you know in regards to radar there's primary radar secondary radar all sorts of different satellite communications and it's all like hooked up to these airplanes i guess there's like a whole room beneath the plane uh electronically that controls like the the airplane so basically like the pilots they're just concerned with like takeoff and uh, landing but the whole fucking plane is like being controlled by satellites and air traffic control uh, but what Art's talking about is, is uh, you know, the plane takes off, I believe it's 1242 uh, a.m., and then 38 minutes later, you know, they have to say, like, hey, we are leaving uh, Malaysian airspace, and we are now entering, you know, Vietnamese airspace, you know, do we have clearance? And I believe the plane was still climbing, you know, it was going from, you know, uh, a cruising altitude, I think, of, like, 30,000, and it was climbing up to 35,000. And every step of the way, like, you have to get clearance because, you know, there's different laws and whatnot, you know, for every different airspace, you know, because you got to think, you know, got military, Mm. you know, things going on. And I was looking, like, at a map of, like, where this all was and I mean, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Like if you were to say, hey, Jacob, you know, point out Malaysia, like on a map, I'd be like, "Uh, <laughs> somewhere there by China. And mm. I guess not, you know, it's like, you know, past. Chinese. Yeah. It's like right there by, uh, closer to like Australia and like Indonesia and Closer shit. to a small town. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they all look a lot down yeah. there. But anyways, um, that's Jason Elton talking about Jacob Dixon. But, um, anyways, like it. It was like one of those things where it's was just like, oh, shoot, this is a very crowded area um, where they took off from. So they're taking off from Malaysia and almost immediately entering, you know Vietnamese airspace. And if you look at the actual like flight pattern, mm-hmm. like it's supposed to it's gonna go through quite a few different countries, you know, like you got Cambodia. you're gonna go over the South China Sea. um, you're gonna you know encounter you know airspace for, you know Thailand, uh, the Philippines. And then, as well as like you know, you're going to be kind of close to like Taiwan, but then obviously the bulk of the flight is going to be going over China, and whatnot. So, you got to imagine there's going to be a lot of communication that's going to be have to, have to be done between the pilots and all these different um, uh, airspaces. Yeah. So, I mean, the 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 very first
1: one is when it's switching over to the Vietnamese airspace, and I believe they call that not a handshake but a. Um, uh, like a handoff. Yeah. So they call it a handoff. Think when, of a relay race, if yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is uh, a, ha- uh, a handoff. So Malaysian airspace, handing off to Vietnamese airspace. They do a little bit of like a kind of a ceremony thing when they do that, just more of a flight tradition of saying, all right, you know, basically they go through the thing, everything's good, and they basically just say goodnight to each other. Mm-hmm. And the receiving one, usually as they do their, like, introduction, like, all right, this is so and so flight seven seven, no, flight three seventy, Boeing seven seven, whatever from Malaysian Airlines, and then they just greet each other and say good morning, and then now they're on that flight plan and they're good to go. Well, the uh, the good night one goes without a hitch. Everything appears to be normal on that one. Doesn't like sound like there's any distress in the microphones or anything like that. Everything's good. The handoff happens, and then bam, boop, literally. 13 minutes later. I think they still have it on radar for 13 more minutes and then nothing. Mm-hmm. It goes silent. It just disappears off of the
0: secondary yeah. radar.
1: One of the things that is really important and I did not know this because I listen to a lot of podcasts and they don't mention it, but apparently there is a little bit of static that comes through their their uh, microphones. Hmm. Like there's like distorted microphone noises. And people don't really think anything of it, just because they think that maybe that was just a malfunction or something going on. Maybe yeah. they're, they don't they, got
0: Joe Rogan mics out there. Yeah. yeah.
1: So possibly something, maybe something, but it it does sound like um, just static, ominous noises that are that are happening there. That's it. From then on, it's a ghost. Nobody knows what's happening. The Vietnamese airline never receives it. The Vietnamese airline kind of drops the ball because they were waiting. Like, you know, they still have their, like, checklist or whatever yeah, of, yeah. like, flights that are supposed to be coming in. And they're just kind of like, mm, guess it didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of a huge dropping of the ball. Which, which leads... happens a lot in yeah. the story. And this leads a little bit to one of my theories down the line that I don't necessarily believe what some of these countries are saying. But anyways, we'll get to that later. But at this point, you know, nobody
0: knows where it's at, but no one's really looking for it either. Yeah. And mind you, it's like one o'clock almost in the morning over there. And a lot of people, a lot of podcasts that I was listening to was saying like, okay, you got to think like, yeah, like a few flights are going to be going through, but for the most part, like it's the graveyard shift. You know, it's like a lot of like, you know, loosey goosey, you know, actions are going to be happening because of that. Like, you know, it's, you know, you are not going to be following all the protocols and whatnot, which a lot of... As the story progresses, you'll see. Uh, but yeah, Art's completely right. The Vietnam Vietnamese, uh, they notice that it's missing and they send a word to Malaysia. And Malaysia's like, all right, I guess we'll look into it and whatnot. And then, like, minutes later, it's just like, oh, wait, where is it at? Yeah. Which indicates, like, there's been a crash. So, right there, like, there's a lot of incompetence right there. Like, if the story ends right here, like, you need to immediately send somebody out there to go look and see the crash. So, This is one of the things where Malaysia does kind of drop the ball because they don't put a lot of sense of urgency
1: into it. Once they find out, hey, we don't see it on our radar and Vietnamese airlines or Vietnamese uh, radar saying that they don't see anything either. So what's going on? Because and then a part of them is still like, well, maybe they'll just show up. (laughs) Like, wasn't that like part of the issue that like Malaysian Airlines was just kind of like. Nonchalantly being like, oh, it, it might just up. show up. It'll come you up. Just
0: got to smack the side of the TV <laughs> and it'll work itself out. Yeah, yeah. they were
1: like, well, they probably, like, their radar probably went down or some shit. Like, it'll, they'll pop up here in a minute. And <laughs> it's just so many, like, apparently the guy that was in charge of that said he was, like, preoccupied with other flights. And that's why he didn't put a lot of emphasis on, like, a missing plane. It's a lot of, like, fucking, like, first day on the job motherfuckers going yeah. on this day. Like, it,
0: it does not, makes sense how they lost this fucking plane that quickly. Yeah, and so, it, even so much so that, like, um, another airplane that was pretty much following, like, the same flight pattern uh, 30 minutes, 38 minutes earlier, tries to make contact with the pilot and gets no response whatsoever. So, I mean, to me, like, that, if, if the story stops right here, it just indicates, like, oh, shit, like, something bad happened. Usually there's a crash. And to kind of put a pin on, like, what we're talking about here... I think it's always good practice to like get yourself out of the vacuum of like the story that's being told like you know through podcasts and documentaries on Netflix and like look at other uh, you know airplane crashes and whatnot so there's another documentary on Netflix all about like Boeing crashes that happen and whatnot damn and there's one that happened um, or quite a few that happened uh, when Boeing you know changed I guess ownership and so they started building their planes a little bit you know less safe And there was, like, crash after crash after crash with these, like, uh, new Boeing airplanes. And um, their protocol, like, every airport and, you know, country, their protocol, as soon as it disappeared off a radar, as soon as, like, the secondary radar, which is, like, there's a transponder... Uh, that tells all the details about the plane, you know, the serial number, the flight number, like everything about it or whatever, right? Once it disappears, they're like, "Oh shit!" Scramble everybody! Like this is this is this is a code red! Like there's a crash going on. Yeah. And you know, 100 percent of the time, like that's what happens. They go and look for it, but not on this uh, this occasion with flight, you know, 370. Mm-hmm. Everyone just is like, "Well, let's wait a while or whatever," right? And it's not until an hour later uh, that they start to, you know, you know, send like an um, They have like a fancy name for it, but you know, kind of like an emergency crew uh, to scramble and look for like any wreckage or any sign that a satellite might be able to make contact with them.
1: Yeah, and then keep in mind, I believe it it only had like eight hours of fuel time, Mm -hmm. Um, so they know there's a cutoff time from the point where it's like, should we be looking for it in the air or should we be looking for a crash? Mm Because that time's coming up and. It, it gets to a point where families are kind of asking, like, hey, where's this plane? Like, I'm here to pick up my family member. Mm-hmm. It kind of starts becoming a little bit of chaos for those people. They're asking a lot of questions, and they keep saying, like, oh, the, the flight's just been delayed. It's been delayed one hour.
0: It's been delayed two hours, mm-hmm. and they don't have an answer. Yeah, and the Malaysian airlines are just like, oh, maybe it'll just show up in Beijing, you know, on its own kind of thing. Yeah,
1: like, and that's another one of those things that's, like, really puzzling that it's just like, well, give it some time. It'll show up. And maybe they did have that thought of, like, hey, maybe this thing just got lost or something. Or maybe, maybe. it got caught in a storm or something. Maybe it just hit a bird and it had to, like <laughs> – which does happen. I did not know that. Yeah. Apparently, they can hit birds and, like, that would be enough to have to down the plane at, a you know, another airport and, like – have to do some repairs on it. Mm-hmm. That's fucking weird. That birds can bring. <laughs> 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 uh, also, I found out that apparently, like fires on flights are like way more common than you think. Mm-hmm. I did not know this. Electrical but Electrical fires, yeah. Electrical fires happen. I believe it's like of all the planes that take off in a day, I believe it was something like thirty flights a day have electrical fires in them. Wow. But they're usually so small and handled that like most people don't even find out about them because they're just like really small fires oh, that happen God. in like the cockpit or whatever, and they just get it put out or whatever. It's still though 30 flights for like the hundreds and hundreds of, you know, flights that go off a day. Like that's pretty good. Let that be us. (laughs) That's pretty good. Hey, not bad, (laughs) but like still, you know, flying one of the safest forms of travel in the world. But, um, but yeah, I mean this, this, this flight's pretty much missing and nobody seems to be caring about it besides the family members up to this point. Correct. And, um, you mentioned that there were like other forms of tracking the plane. I think this is when they kind of start tapping into that. It's like maybe we should try other forms of of tracking the plane. One of them is the where you're gonna go into the the satellite handshakes. So there is a form of tracking it with just not the most accurate one. i the way that it seems like to me is like you when you have your cell phone, there's cell phone towers mm-hmm. that you can kind of track the location of cell phones with cell phone towers, like which tower is it using? It's basically that, but they call it handshakes because it's literally the plane shaking hands with the satellite saying, oh, we met here, we
0: met here, like different locations. And one of the best ways I I was explained to it is is the system I think you're talking about is the MRSET system. Mm-hmm. That it's kind of like when you're watching Netflix and maybe you fall asleep a little bit watching, you know, documentaries about planes full crashing. <laughs> like, are you still here? And if you mm-hmm. click yes, you know, obviously it, it confirms that you know you're still watching Netflix, kind of thing. And that's what the MRSET system is. And the MRSET system is not like radar, which is like tracking your plane and all the details about you know the flight and you know the type of plane it is. It's mostly the way it was explained. Is kind of like an entertainment system, like with satellites, where like that's how you get to watch, like you know, in six months the Barbie movie, like on a Delta flight, or mm. uh, get Wi-Fi on a plane, or sometimes you're able to make phone calls on a plane or whatever. It's like this sophisticated satellite system that helps run, you know, those systems, but it also um, is a unique way of helping track planes when you know a lot of their radar. And stuff have complications or when these like mini fires happen and whatnot because it's a different system on the plane so different that uh, pilots are not trained on how to turn it off at all which is a very important uh, fact when we get into like the theories of what happened so arts 100% correct almost continuously every hour uh, the satellite is making contact with um, the airplane and the airplane is saying like yep we're still here yep we're still here and it actually tracks the plane in the opposite direction yeah. from where it's supposed to go. So so it makes a sharp
1: U-turn mm-hmm. back towards Malaysia, and that's already abnormal, right? Correct. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, no, you're 100%. Okay. So it makes a sharp U-turn, headed back to Malaysian airspace, goes into Malaysian airspace, flies into <laughs> basically Malaysian airspace, and then makes another sharp U-turn, this time going north, um uh, going back out into the ocean, and that is where the final handshake happens.
0: Yeah, and the, the Adam and Sea. Yeah.
1: Adam and Sea, yeah. And that is where the final handshake happens. And that is the last confirmed uh, handshake that they have with, with Malaysian Fight 370. Um, At this point, still, though, they're looking for a wreckage out in the... Um, South China Sea. South China Sea, because that's where they last... Confirm that it should be there. Yeah, so somewhere
0: it, between Malaysia and Vietnam. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they do spend a lot of time and I think it's it's actually a couple of days that they're still looking in that. That whole thing with the handshakes doesn't come out till later on, like yeah, a few days later where they're like, Oh wait, there were some handshakes going on over here. But um, you know, they do spend a lot of time, a lot of a lot
0: of money goes into searching the South China Sea at this point. And at this point, like, you would think that, like, something would pop up. Again, to reference other Netflix documentaries that I was watching about airplane crashes and whatnot, almost instantly, like, within, like, the day, you're finding wreckages. And in in some extreme cases, you know, like, two months and whatnot, right? But as time goes on and they keep looking in the South China Sea, like, they're not finding jack shit. Like, this plane just completely disappears. And like Art was saying earlier, like, the families are growing frustrated. Like, hey, what the hell happened to our family? And mum's the name with the Malaysian government. They're kind of just like, well, we don't know. like not basically expressing that they don't know, but like not telling them directly, like, hey, we don't know what the fuck's happened. And like people, you see like in the documentary, like the families are getting like irate. Uh, they start, you know, you know, uh, getting mad at the government because the Malaysian Airlines is owned by the Malaysian government. Uh, Which doesn't have the squeakiest of all (laughs) images of, you know, with uh, corruption and whatnot. But, um, you know, they start to get really pissed like, hey, you guys murdered our families or they're alive somewhere and you guys aren't telling us the location. Because, you know, they were very kind of secretive about all the stuff that was happening behind the scenes.
1: Uh, And I'll be honest with you. I mean, if that was a family member of yours up there and they. You were getting no answers. You were getting no answers of why it wasn't reported missing. Why they like the lack of sense of urgency? Really, like nobody seemed to really care about this flight. I, it would be pretty frustrating. I would be pretty upset, and and I totally understand why those families are, are are you know as upset as as they they are. So I I don't blame them at all for for reacting the
0: way that they reacted. So and then on the other side of it, the government. You know, and I know we talked about the Emerset, you know, you know, previously the government even didn't even know about that later till later on into the investigation. So it's information that was out there, but everybody's scrambling, trying to find, you know, answers at the same time. But they don't have all the answers as well. Another thing that comes out that the government did kind of know is that the military, the Malaysian military was also tracking uh, the airplane. And was tracking it when it made those two sharp U turns mm-hmm. uh, with primary radar. Now I mentioned earlier that there's primary radar and secondary radar, and not to bore everyone, but the secondary radar, which is what the you know the air traffic control kind of uses, you know, transponds all the information. It's very detailed, you know, from you know the the wind condition and all that shit, you know, to the name of the airplane and all that. Ah, uh, whereas primary radar, which is kind of like what you see like in old like military movies, where it's just like blips, yeah. yeah, and that's like what the the military was tracking. They were tracking, um, what they believe was flight 370 all the way up until it w- uh, went into the atom and sea and out of their you know scope of radar kind of thing. So they have another confirmation that it made mm-hmm. those two U turns and quote unquote disappeared in the other direction. Yeah. So. I mean,
1: they – I don't know. I mean, it's it's a pretty frustrating thing, dude. Like, they kind of saw that. I, I believe they also come out and say, but we didn't know it was that plane. Mm-hmm. So, that's why we didn't really, like, react that way. Still, though, if, a, if, like, a foreign plane went into your radar, you would think that the Malaysian government would
0: take action, in yeah. my opinion, or, you know, request action or – Or a plane that you weren't expecting to come, whether it be foreign or domestic, which it turned out to be domestic – like you would want to take some action, and this is where it gets explained. Where basically they fell asleep on the job. Yeah. They were like, "It ain't doing nothing to us, so why should we care?" You know, kind of thing. Like it's yeah. not sending laser beams down, <laughs> or you know, you know, uh, dropping the A bomb on. It's like Oppenheimer. Like yeah. it's fucking. It's just you know, it's just on its way somewhere else, and we'll worry about it later. Again, we're, my
1: my problem with that with with that like is two things. One, this is not like a fucking like single engine fucking like crop duster fucking <laughs> plane it's a boeing 777 like mm. it's it's a massive plane it's one of the biggest planes out there and this is a post 911 world correct where it's like this we've seen like people crash planes in in, in into into buildings as a form of terrorism And this is not a region of the world that's, like... Very stable. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, this is a fucking region of the world where, like, shit goes bad often. So for them to just be like, oh, we thought it was, like, not a big deal, so we didn't do anything about that, I find that hard to believe. I know a lot of the families, uh, you know, at least up to that point find that hard to believe, where they're like, there's no way you just just like, whatever, it's
0: fine, Mm -hmm. let's just go get ice cream, dude. (laughs) Oh, there's a missing plane, and, like, I don't know. Yeah. And I think at that time they didn't know it was missing, but again, they like the way it was explained to the official Malaysian explanation is like somebody fell asleep uh, on their watch duty or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, either way, gross mis- incompetence and in, um, either um, way you look at it kind of thing. Um, to kind of, you know, push the story further or whatnot. Um, we do see that it stops, you know, in the and C and whatnot. That's when we get the last, you know, uh, you know, satellite handshake and whatnot. Uh, but they do further tests, further mathematical equations that I won't go into, and they can determine that either that the flight went north for another six hours, you know, mm-hmm. from you know, satellite. Uh, sonar bullshit or whatever—fancier so, words than I, you know, can even you know come up with. But it's explained in a whole episode of a certain podcast that you know that hey, basically they they were using sound waves where it went either six mile or six hours north or six hours south. So if it went six hours north, it and ran out of fuel, it would have crashed somewhere in Kazakhstan. Or if it went six hours south, it would have went into the you know. The depths of the Indian Ocean.
1: Dude, every time I hear Kazakhstan, I always think of Borat. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, the whole time I was like, dude, fucking...
1: They were going to crash into fucking Borat's home nation, dude. dude this is my wife. Yeah. <laughs> I, I that. Sadly, that is the only thing I know about Kazakhstan is that Borat's from there and it it doesn't look like the greatest place but yeah. that all seems fictional too so i'm hoping that that's not really kazakhstan in video. No, videos no, probably not <laughs> i assume it's just as good as new york city yeah but uh anyways yeah so pretty much going missing and now that they you know the the search and rescue like is kind of blowing up the news cycle at this point and i do want to talk a little bit about the news cycle because there's a lot of bullshit that right away Pops up. There's actually a, a clip of like Don Lemon talking about how, like, hey, could this have been sucked into a small black hole and it just disappeared? And then the black hole disappeared. It was just like weird conspiracy theories. Right away, people were like, aliens did it, dude. Like, yeah, a fucking UFO kidnapped them Berm- an Asian Bermuda triangle. Yeah, just random things that were just like not. Things
0: that you would normally see on, like, fucking CNN or whatever. Yeah. Again, because the Malaysian government wasn't really releasing some of this information that they had their hands on, as well as they didn't even understand some of the information that they were getting or whatnot, right? I mentioned there was complex mathematical equations that had to be done to determine whether it went north or south. Uh, But then you get, like, uh, internet groups. And I think this is, in my opinion, like, one of the best ways of looking at it too is like it was this internet group of like aviation experts and engineers that became obsessed with like this project and were able to also determine like no it didn't go north it most likely went south per all the information that they were get, able to get from the satellites
1: yeah Whoop. yeah no that that's true the internet starts to play a little bit of a factor at this point and it and a lot of those like uh web salutes yeah <laughs> starts and the netflix documentary kind of brings that up how a lot of people started to kind of come together because of this there was the like that woman on the documentary that's like searching basically google earth for like down planes eventually find something and the i think it's the malaysian government's like nope that's nothing get go away please don't do that and i apparently that little blip that she finds gets like blacked out now oh really yeah so it's just like they say that it's just a wave a wave formation that just kind of looks like a plane it does look like a plane a lot, yeah. but they say it's a wave formation, so they like bleep it out so people are not always bringing up that there's a plane down there. Mm-hmm. But
0: it looks like a fucking plane, dude. And there's other people too, like you know, you go on YouTube or whatnot. Like there's I forget what jungle that they found it in or whatever, but it was like somewhere like in Southeast Asia where it looks like there's a plane, like a perfectly intact plane, like yeah. resting like on a mountain range. Oh yeah, and actually I have like. Seen that. They actually, like, spend, like, their life savings to go travel out there, and, like, they have, like, tour guides that, like, you know, terrain them through, like, you know, the, the jungles of this Southeast <laughs> Asian place or whatever, yeah. and it's so desolate that they can't even get to the spot that where it was at. But it comes to turn out, though, that, like, it's just a plane that was flying under, like, wherever Google Earth was, like, broadcasting or taking photographs from and whatnot.
1: Oh, and it just and, caught it there perfectly?
0: Yeah, like, when you do, like, a Google map of, like, Brazil and you see, like, decapitated heads <laughs> yeah, or cars, you know, passing by. Uh, it was, like, one of those things. So that's how that gets explained away. So uh, there's a lot of this shit that's, like, like, Art was saying that's, like, coming out. And it's kind of, like, clouding, you know, the mystery of, you know, this down flight. Yeah, no, I I mean, dude, that's like the
1: double-edged sword of the internet, dude, that um, right away it has theories. There is a UFO theory, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Originally, when I pitched this idea, I was like, oh, here comes another UFO idea, here we go. And um, there's not a lot, like, it's just basically, did a UFO take it, yes or no, what do you Mm -hmm. think? And that's pretty much it. Yeah. There's no real legs be- behind it, at least none that I could find. Yeah.
0: So that this is pretty much all the facts that we have. I mean, there's more in-depth details talking about, like, different satellite systems, different, you know, sonar and radar, you know, systems that are on the plane. The, re- the reason why it is really safe to fly, like, an airplane nowadays is because there's so many systems that can track a plane and you know correct it, you know, if it does start to you know break down and whatnot, right? But that and this is why it makes it even that much more interesting what happened to this airplane. Uh, I don't know if you want to jump into some of these theories, but yeah, let's get into the theories. Uh, there's freaking investigative journalists who have researched this for ten years almost, and they still don't have a conclusive theory on what actually happened. But there are some narratives that exist out there. Mm uh that seem more probable than aliens or small black holes yeah
1: i didn't even want to spend that much time on aliens cuz i thought it was so dumb yeah uh what's i don't know if you have your like your theories list but I don't know if you want to do it, and your least likely to most likely. Yeah, let's do the yeah. least likely. Okay,
0: what, what's the least likely one that you have? <sighs> the one that I think is least likely is besides high... aliens but... <laughs> or the black hole. Oh, the black hole! Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Don Lemon black hole. One. Yeah, that that's funny because like Don Lemon asked like you know uh, some scientists you know like could it be a small black hole that gobbled up? She goes, "Sir, if there was even like the tiniest of black holes that existed like on our planet, it would gobble up our whole universe like within seconds." <laughs> So anyways, um, the one that I find to be like the least credible is that it was a Russian hijacker um, or hijackers. So uh, the Netflix documentary, it explains, I believe like in the second episode, uh, to be able to turn off all the systems in the airplane, this Boeing 777, uh, there's a hatch that you can go to get underneath the plane basically. And there's this whole room where like 99% of the electronics exist on the plane. And to be able to turn on, I get, turn off the, the transponders uh, that um, would make the airplane disappear from the secondary radar exists down there. And apparently it's just like this unlocked hatch, like you can just open it up like it's a piece of plywood. Yeah, you have to (laughs) remove the carpet. Yeah. And then once you remove the carpet,
1: you're halfway home. Yeah. And,
0: like, it's located, like, right between, like, first class and the actual cockpit. Yeah.
1: I, so, it's very, like, remember that show 24? Yeah. It reminds me of, like, an episode of that, like, that theory does. Where it's, like, these two fucking Russians are going to distract the world from, from.
0: What had Russia done? They had, like... They were uh, invading Crimea. So, like, the Russian invasion of uh, Ukraine had just started. Yeah. The funny thing about that is, like, you know,
1: just last year, Russia invaded Ukraine, like, in, like, a pretty brutal invasion. And, like... Fast forward a year later, like, barely anybody cares anymore. Like, mm-hmm. they're still there. They're still... are
0: more concerned about Hunter Biden's laptop and his penis.
1: Yeah, it's, like, fucking stupid. Like, I, to me, it's not a good theory because of that. Because why would Russia do that?
0: Yeah. So, Art's inferring that Russia hijacked this plane to divert attention away from the invasion of Crimea.
1: Yeah. I, I don't buy that one either. I also find that one extremely unlikely. Yeah. It's, like, it, it literally feels like... Yeah, like... Like, I understand the the thought process of, hey, they want a diversion. But at the same time, it's like, yeah. But also, couldn't you have just, like, killed the Pope? Or no, I don't know. That's still pretty big. But, like, couldn't you have done something, like, you know, like, you know
0: like assassinated Britney Spears.
1: Yeah, something like that. Like when the assassination of Britney Spears, I almost guarantee you would have been like that would have been way huge.
0: more publicity. Yeah, and then we're going to frame it to be her father or whatever. Yeah. Know? yeah. So this theory uh, is kind of floated by uh Jeff Wise who's like an aviation journalist, which is like a weird title in itself. Like so like when there's not a plane crashing, do you just cover like hey so like Delta had like a smooth flight from LAX to Utah like like how how do you just like make a living yeah. being an aviation journalist but I, I digress but he spent like nine years uh, looking at all the facts and whatnot and he came up with this theory and basically you know uh, he says that there was two Russians on the flight I'm looking at the official uh, flight log and there was only one Russian but apparently in the, in his theory there's two Russians one of them distracts the stewardess and you know creates a, a commotion so that the other one can go into that hatch I thought they said there were three Russians and two of them create a diversion. Yeah. I'm following what the Netflix documentary
1: had. It sounds like in the, in the documentary they do like this like reenactment mm-hmm. where like they're like arguing over who gets to go use the bathroom, <laughs> yeah. and then like one. No, of
0: No, I need to go take a shit. Like one of them like starts taking his pants off and pooping already, <laughs> and the other one like sneaks under sneaks the sneaks underneath cou- the fucking yeah hatch yeah. So he goes down there. He turns off the transponders and he hooks up his HP laptop to like hack into the 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 airplane. And then diverts the flight yeah. uh, to this path, makes those two U-tur- U-turns, and goes north into Kazakhstan uh, to use the plane for whatever nefarious purpose that uh, Russia, Mother Russia, is going to have in uh, yeah. Kazakhstan and whatnot.
1: Yeah, another reason why this is like. A really dumb theory is because isn't it like a month later another one of Malaysia's
0: airplanes like cr- actually crashes? Four months later, Four months uh, like, uh, flight seventeen is actually down by Russia over Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, like that's how little Russia
1: gives a fuck about <laughs> things like that. They're just like fuck it, we're just downing this plane, it's just a, a crash
0: plane. Yeah, and. I don't know. I don't think that it, there's anything to it. Like, And they took full responsibility of it. They like, yeah, it was us. What? You know, what are you guys going to do, Barack Obama? You're over there playing basketball in your old bowling alley or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Like, we did it. And nobody took responsibility for doing this. And that's the big thing about terrorist acts. If it was Al-Qaeda, yeah. they would have took immediate fucking uh, glee in hijacking this with, like, three Americans and, you know, whatever their, you know, reason for doing it. They would have took immediate action for it and then oh yeah what would be the purpose of them needing a 777 when Russia fucking Putin himself could probably buy five of those with his personal wealth yeah
1: I agree I don't understand like what they're they're, to me that there's no there's no uh there, there, there's no point like there's there's no point like i think that the the assassination of britney spears would have <laughs> would have been like a better out for for them mm-hmm. to if they wanted to do that there's there's no point for russia to do that yeah i know that 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 netflix documentary spent some time on it and as i was
0: watching that, i was like this is fucking stupid yeah there's no way russia would do this it's fantasy and gets so much so that um jeff wise who was a part of like those internet groups that you know were trying to figure out you know what was going on mind you Fucking sober minds that, you know, were in the aviation industry, were pilots, were engineers, were, you know, experts on radar and all that shit. Uh, They kick him out of the group because it was like fantasy writing. basically. That's what they said. And another reason, too, is like they kind of spin it. Oh, it could have been the two Iranians that were, you know, traveling on stolen passports racist again good old-fashioned jason all that
1: in my small town
0: <laughs> racism there uh and like art said earlier you know they were just asylum seekers that you know were waiting for people you know in other places uh to get up to get the fuck out of iran yeah uh so but they didn't have anything to do with it
1: yeah no i i i thought that was and for the most part they're pretty much cleared like nobody like the fbi doesn't think that they're they're part of it at all they're Pretty much only like the racist people <laughs> think that they're part of it at all. Like it's like literally the whole thing was they did have uh, fake. Yeah, were they stolen or were they fake? I kept hearing the word stolen. So okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna we'll with go that. with stolen. We'll go with stolen <laughs> passports. But uh, that's pretty much it. They did have like asylum seeking um, stuff ready to go once they landed in Germany. So mm-hmm. it wasn't. It wasn't like why would you go through all of that and then. And then, and then, yeah, and then kidnap a plane or whatever.
0: Yeah, doesn't, just, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Um, but then the next theory that I don't think at all happened uh, was actually floated by a Florence and. In the machine, yeah. <laughs> her last name is De Changi in in English, but I heard it like with a French accent, and that's not exact. That's not how you pronounce it at all. But I'm just gonna call her Florence Dechengy because, goddamn, we're Aaron Jacob do America. We're not doing France here, yeah. or whatever, right? <laughs> but anyway, she's a French journalist. Uh, she's also featured uh, prominently in the Netflix documentary. And her theory is is that uh, Flight 370 was uh, carrying a payload. Uh, that the United States government, particularly the the CIA, wasn't too fond of, Uh uh, was carrying batteries, I believe. I did see that. Walkie-talkie stuff and other technology, and it wasn't properly scanned in or uh, examined by customs. And uh, they used two AWOC airplanes, so basically those airplanes with these big mushroom-looking things on them or whatever, and I guess their capabilities are to hack and control another plane like let's say it's 9-11 part 2 or whatnot. those planes could get into the electronics of that plane and down it or do whatever they got to do with it or whatever right they're like interceptors or whatever right so her theory says that the United States government wasn't happy with the payload that flight 370 had had one plane fly under, you know, 370, another above it was communicating. And that's why you get all that static in between like that good night, Malaysia, good night, you know, Cambodia or whatever he was saying yeah. at that point. And that's why you have all that static. And um, there was like, I guess, background noise as well that sounded like interference and like other voices is because they were telling, you know, the, the pilot of that flight, like, hey, you need to turn this plane around. <laughs> you need to go to Diego Sanchez or whatever like that, you know, military base that's off the coast of Malaysia and, you know, unload the payload or whatever, or we're gonna shoot you down. He didn't comply, so they hacked into the airplane made it seem like he made a U-turn and uh, went up to Kazakhstan or the Indian Ocean. But in all reality, they shot it out of the sky. That's why you have all that debris that was found by that fat lady in Florida looking on Google Maps. And <laughs> and it was this big cover-up by the United States government because they we didn't want China to have a bunch of lithium batteries that they already have. So, yeah, so the lithium battery thing rages from, like,
1: 200 pounds of lithium batteries, so like 2,000 pounds of lithium batteries, and most people think that it's closer to 200 pounds, which actually isn't that much. No. It's like, I guess, like a normal payload or something like that. I don't know. I did see that, but then it's like, why wouldn't the United States government just, like, intercept them once they touch down at the airport? Like, why not, you know, have customs, like, be like, all right, we're gonna search your plane. Like, hey, what's up with all these batteries? Like,
0: that makes no fucking sense, dude. It's if, like a pretty weak theory. And if they blow their cover, if they get caught doing that, you have all of these nations that are going to be pissed off at the United States. It's a very sloppy thing, which doesn't sound like the CIA at all. Which would, Oh, no. I, and you actually look at the payload, and, like, yeah, there was batteries for, you know, cell phones and walkie talkies and like her big thing was, is that it was technology that they they didn't want the United States didn't want China to have. And it's like, dude, that's where they fucking make those things at. Like (laughs) why would we do (laughs) that? That also doesn't make any goddamn sense whatsoever. And Oh yeah, by the way, there was more mangoes in that fucking payload (laughs) than there was fucking, you know, batteries. So like that, that's some bullshit. And I don't think they would spare the lives of that many people over some goddamn batteries.
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't think that that's a very... I did see that in the documentary. I actually totally forgot about that from the Netflix documentary because mm-hmm. I thought it was by far the... I thought this one was the weakest one. I forgot about all
0: about the battery thing. Mm-hmm. And another thing too I was looking at was like those AWOC planes, I guess it costs a lot of money to get those up in the air and run their fuel. So why would we spend all that money just to fucking crash a bunch of fucking lithium batteries in the fucking South China Sea? Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me either. Um,
1: those are cool if they can hijack planes, but even the hijacking thing. I guess another theory. I don't know if you have this in your list, but they were talking about how like just a foreign government hijacked it from like not aboard the plane. They were able to hijack the plane remotely, and cause, remotely, and cause the plane to go crash somewhere or take the whole plane for parts or something. It it was. I don't believe that because it's like that. Wouldn't you just do that to every
0: plane? Could you do that to? You can do one closer by than one that's like going over the ocean and whatnot, right? Yeah. That you have to wait six hours for and whatnot. And another thing too that puts a poo poo on both of those theories is that those two sharp U turns that you were talking about. You can't do that whether you're on a fucking hacker laptop, you know, in the in the bay of uh, the plane or remotely, or from an AWAC, you can't make a plane make that sharp of a U-turn. Yeah. You have to be able to manually do that with the, the control, the, the steering wheel, basically, yeah. of the airplane to be able to do it. So it indicates the third most prominent theory that it was the pilot that actually did this. And I
1: think, yeah, I think we'll agree. I think our theories are slightly different on this one. But there's a couple of things about the about the pilot on oh, my laptop turned off. But um, let me pull up his information because he is by far the most. The main pilot is the most interesting character in this whole thing. Uh, let me pull up my info here. Okay, so there's two pilots on this on this flight. Uh, there's a younger guy, and well, let's talk about the younger guy a little bit because mm-hmm. the younger guy does have a little bit of theories related to him. Uh, that's Sahir Ahmad Shah mm-hmm. and um that's the captain that's the captain he's he's the he's the he's the main guy but then there's also
0: 27 uh, year old uh co-pilot basically they call him first officer uh-huh. uh Abdul Hamid and farid
1: for the most part kind of a young up and coming guy mm-hmm pretty clean record I believe the only thing that he has on his record that was kind of like a dumb thing and it reminded me like he's only 27 you know when we were doing when we were working at Target we were around that age and he was younger than than this one he did what I'm about to talk about but apparently he brought a bunch of girls to, like, the, the cockpit of the plane <laughs> and, like, was showing off that he was a pilot and all this stuff. And Oh, dude, that still happens, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, that's a pretty small thing. Like, that. I, I hate to that's be, like. That's actually adorable. Yeah, it's, like, dude, that, that's cool, dude. That's, like, going to Hart Park. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, lesbians at Hart Park, dude. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, um listen to the Patreon to get that reference. But anyways, um for the most part that's not really that big of a deal. So, mm-hmm. and that's the big thing on his on his flying record. Everything else is just like pretty clean cut stuff. There's you know, I, I believe he had just gotten married too yep. or was about to get married, just gotten married. And and his wife was also I believe I want to say a pilot as well on on or, or on has a- some kind of like a beyond cuz she's she, she's on the um She's on the Netflix documentary, too, isn't she? Maybe. I think that she she was just the wife of a crew member.
0: I don't know if it was the co-pilot. Oh, okay. but
1: I, I know she had some kind of, like, flying experience. Like, it was something. I don't know if it's to the the degree that Fareed had, but it, she was also involved in, like, flying somehow. I don't want to say some sexist thing where it's like, she might have been a stewardess, uh. But, like... <laughs> But I don't know. She was an engineer. Yeah, I don't know. She had some kind of flying experience herself. But for the most part, everything seemed to be normal on their end. Mm -hmm. So there's theories about how he was young and reckless or all this stuff. But for the most part, he was just about almost getting ready to become a captain himself. He had a lot of flying experience, he knew what he was doing up there. Um, But let's go to the main guy, the guy that everybody talks about. And that's Captain Sahir Ahmad Shah. All right, couple of things about him. Main thing, in my opinion, his marriage was kind of falling apart. Oh, it did. Yeah, they were separated. Yeah, yeah, it literally they separated the day before this happened. But for weeks leading up to this, he had become withdrawn from his wife. His, you know, he would spend most of his days in like an empty room playing with his flight plane Simulator. simulator. That, by the way, he didn't need to do that. That's not something that normal pilots do. That you know, after flying a long day, they go. Pretend that they're still flying. That's
0: like us working at Target and we're going to go zone <laughs> our fucking products, you know, Let under me our go sink. do my fucking refrigerator or something, yeah. you know. If I'm going to put all the facings <laughs> forward. The signs catch up. You go, Archie, i got to zone all these toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that just does not happen. Yeah, nobody does that. So he, by the way, he's doing this and he's not even doing it as like a form of practice. Like, I, ju- I want to get better at this because he's doing it on like Microsoft Flight Simulator, mm-hmm. which is like a program you could just get at fucking like Office Max or something. Yeah. It's a very common thing. He has better equipment that he could be training, but one thing that he is doing is plotting out flight plans, and that is available on there. Why he's doing that, we don't know. As a matter of fact, some of the last couple of flight plans that he had on there get deleted off of his mm-hmm. computer, which the FBI is able to retrieve some of them, but still kind of a mystery why he deleted them. Another funny thing about his his uh, his life up to this point is that he seems to have his his life kind of organized all the flights when he had to be at work and all this stuff. He has that all up to March eighth, which is the day that the plane goes mm-hmm. missing. So he doesn't make any more
0: plans after March eighth. And one podcast I was listening to says, and mind you, I wasn't able, I didn't have enough time to like follow up on this. Uh, they were like, oh no, actually, he made a dentist appointment, you know, two weeks after March eighth. And in my mind, I was thinking, I was just like, oh, you know what probably happened? His dentist's office probably called him and was like, hey, uh, your six-month uh, appointment's uh, getting ready to come up. Uh, do yeah. you want to go ahead and make an appointment? And I do this all the time, you know, and then, like, I reschedule or I cancel or whatever. But just to, you know, be seem responsible. Like, I'd just be like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 just schedule it. Yeah, put me down for 6. Yeah, put me down for 6 a.m. <laughs> I'll, I'll be there, you know, 15 minutes early or whatever, yeah, yeah. right, for my fucking oral hygiene cleaning or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking that's maybe what he did. But Art's 100% right for the most part. He made no plans past, you know, March 8th.
1: Yeah. And like I was saying, he, one of the things in the Netflix documentary, I think, does a really bad job about this. Yes. I think, I think the, because there's a couple of things they leave out. One, people were, his friends were saying, hey, there, he had talked about how when he would get off work, he would just pace back and forward in an empty room and couldn't connect to his wife anymore. And apparently was like hitting up like Instagram models. Like his marriage was done. Like it was mm. just falling apart. Him and his wife had nothing in common. He was clearly like in a state of depression and his life was like falling apart. It was literally the downward spiral. Go listen to the downward spiral episode. Exactly. He was falling apart. And the Netflix documentary does this whole thing where it's like yeah, but he also, liked going to, like, community cookouts every once in a while and, like, donating
0: food to the community cook. And it was like, what the fuck? And they totally, like, glossed over all this information as well. And they say they're like, no, he was an upstanding citizen. And then, like, a lot of people, um, like the wife of one of the crew members was, like, saying, like, no, it would never be him. He, he was a, such a nice guy. And as it comes out, it's like, yeah, he might have been a nice guy to you kind of thing. Uh, but, yeah, he had all these things happening in his life, which could lead to, you know, what we're about to go into. Uh, but they totally just gloss over the fact that, yeah, his life was in shambles. And even listening to uh, the creators of that documentary, they were on a podcast doing an interview. Uh, they were straight up asked, like, why didn't you bring up the fact that, you know, uh, Captain Shaw, like, he had all these problems going on in his life. And they're like, well, we can't comment on it. And the the interviewer was just like, No, like it seems like intentionally you were trying to drive the narrative away from him. And I think two things were happening here, like, because of that. The people were saying that, Oh, he was a nice guy, he would never do that. I think like when you're grieving like you always go into a state of denial like oh Absolutely. that can never that can never be him like you see that with serial killers like oh he was such a nice guy he was an all-american boy i th- i think people
1: that commit suicide like you know nobody ever says oh yeah i saw that come it's rarely that people say like i saw that coming mm-hmm. but like chester bennington from linkin park or whatever i think he's exactly. a perfect example of like a dude that like you know he sings about dark stuff but not darker than like trent reznor or something like that mm-hmm. like and, like, he seems like an outgoing, friendly guy and all this stuff. I would, if I had, if you had to l- let me pick from, like, Jonathan Davis, Trent Reznor, Chester Bennington, like, all these dudes, like, I'd be like, oh, ch- not Chester, but, like, maybe mm. Jonathan Davis probably kill himself here yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like you know, you, you can never pinpoint it because it's the battle that people are going through in their heads. And it's like, you can't fucking speak to that just because he went to a fucking barbecue, community barbecue mm-hmm. and all this shit, like... To me, or was, he was
0: nice to you when you guys were working, whatever. You don't know what's going on at home kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. To me, it was like super weak. I was like,
1: that's not a good argument.
0: And number two, so that's the first part of it. And then number two, you got to think, like this all happened during Malaysian Airlines' uh, you know, responsibility timeline, right? As long as those people are in the plane, that responsibility goes on to Malaysian Airlines, which goes into the Malaysian government who owns you know, Malaysian Airlines. So, legally, those families of those 200-plus people could take action against the Malaysian government. If they can, you know, throw shade away from, oh, no, it couldn't have been, you know, uh, the captain at all. He was such a good guy. Like, there's no, there was no indication that, you know, he was showing signs that he could have, you know, been, you know, depressed and, you know, suicidal and whatnot. Uh, it it kind of uh, takes away that reasonable doubt, you know, or it gives a reasonable doubt that, you know, if this was to go to court, like, Oh no, there's other theories like, you know, American a and, you know, you know, Russian hackers and whatnot. Right. So it take, it it alleviates some of their responsibility, both financially and legally, you know, for something to happen because while he's in the cockpit, he's Malaysian airlines problem or whatever. Right. So I think that's another thing. That's why it didn't get into the documentary and why they kind of made no comment on it is because the Malaysian government doesn't want to have that smoke come back to them kind of thing. Um, but basically the theory here is, is that like art was in sitting waiting. Like he was going through a downward spiral. I even saw something about, you know, child pornography too, that, you know, was, was coming up about him. So it's very possible that he could have, you know, you know, faced a stiff penalty for that. His life was falling apart, both his marriage as well as his relationship with his children. And then you see, like I was saying earlier, there's no way that airplane could have made those two sharp turns. Either, you know, by a hacker or from, you know, an American AWOC, it had to be somebody manually turned that plane around. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all indications point to it being the captain because the hatch would have been locked. We live in a post 9-11 world. It's not as easy to get to the captain's cockpit, you know, so the hatch is locked. So the theory basically floated, and Jeff Wise does a good job of, you know, explaining this in the documentary, is that, hey, you know, he had the co-pilot, you know, check out of, you know, the cockpit, yeah. uh, you know, while, you know, he was communicating with air traffic control, uh, either, you know, to check on tell some him stuff.
1: something like, hey, can you go get me a soda or
0: something like that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> get, get me a club soda, please. Yeah. Um, so he's doing what he has to do, but all the while taking the airplane further and further up as well as decompressing or, you know, taking the pressure out of the cabin. And that's a really interesting thing. I do I, – I think that that happened.
1: Sorry. So his co-pilot leaves, leaves the cockpit, decompresses the cabin. I believe what the exact terminology is when they decompress the cabin too much or, like, completely, but basically you can't breathe. You're choking. Mm-hmm. So when those little rubber masks fall down – they think that that's what happened because the the cabin had become so decompressed. He his mask dropped in in the cockpit, but his is designed differently. He has an hour long to breathe through those masks uh, through the pilot mask. The passenger masks are only designed for fifteen minutes of air time. Mm-hmm. So, they basically after the fifteen minutes are up, you know you're dead. Like you're you're out of the air. You're you're out of air. You're basically dying. So, in my opinion, and for, this is where my, this is a personal theory. This mm. is an Art and Jacob do America exclusive. <laughs> so, in my opinion, he kills all those people. Correct. And that's when he he's
0: turning back already. Mm-hmm. I believe because he, there's no better way to to turn that plane away is when you're going from one airspace. You're basically saying goodbye to the old airspace, and then you're in this like no man's zone for those couple of minutes before you get to Ho Chi Minh, and then he's able to turn it around. While Ho Chi Minh's expecting you, and Malaysia's not expecting you, you can kind of fly "quote unquote" under the radar for quite some time. Oh yeah, by the way, you're turning off all the electrical systems uh, that you know would transpond. You're basically flying way undercover at this point and getting to where you need to go.
1: Yeah, I think a couple of things happen. He he he's flying back into Malaysian airspace. I do not buy that the that the Malaysian military was just like I don't know. It seems cool. It seems chill. This guy's <laughs> this this is one of the good I ones. He's just here to party. He seems pretty chill, dude. Yeah. He, he's doing this in a small town. <laughs> and anyways, I think he flies into that the Malaysian air the Malaysian military is like, hey, what's going on? Can you identify yourself? What what is this? What is this all about? Um, and I think he tells them, hey, I, I have fucking hostages here. They're still alive. They don't know that they're dead. But I think they're all dead at this point. That's why no one's trying to fight him. No one's trying to break into the cockpit. I believe that either the Malaysian government, and this is all me, this is all hypothetical. I don't want anyone to think that I'm accusing anybody of anything, but this is what I think maybe happened. Um, the Malaysian government either just tells them, hey, don't do that. Like We could like just fly it out in, back into the ocean, and that's why he decides to go back out into the ocean into the, not the Appalachian Sea. Uh, <laughs> Adam and Sea? Adam and Sea. He flies back into the Adam and Sea, and then they were like, this motherfucker killed all those people. Like, there's no way that he's flying at these altitudes and <laughs> didn't kill these people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when either the Malaysian government or there's a United States military base that is really close by, maybe they requested help to be like, hey, we need to take this plane down now because he might crash this and turn this into a 9-11 type scenario. Mm-hmm. And I think that they downed it, and that's why I think they, the Malaysian government is just like, we don't know what happened, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, we've
0: have no clue, dude. Yeah, and they cleaned it. While they were looking in the South uh, China Sea, it was all being cleaned up elsewhere. Kind of I, I believe that that is what happened, uh, yeah. It's very possible. I mean, it yeah. does, um, you do see, like, the handshakes and whatnot, and I guess there's something to it to where, like, the plane re-logged in or whatever, and that can only be done if you restart the like electrical system or whatnot, which is, pos- which falls into your theory as uh-huh. well.
1: There's one more thing that kind of falls into my t- to my theory. So my theory wouldn't make sense if they later find par- part of a wing, the little um, flapper. flapper part of it. They later do find that, and it's completely intact, and they find it. But for the most part, up to this point, they're not finding anything very large. I believe that they find like a seat, like part of a seat at one point, mm-hmm. but for the most part, nothing's being found. Um, that part of the wing, and we didn't talk about this when we first started the podcast, but this particular plane, this this particular Bowen, uh three seven seven seven, yeah, was in an accident. It crashed into another plane. It had to have that exact wing repaired and replaced, and that wing had to go to an airplane graveyard. So that. that wing was still over there. My theory is that they were like, you know what? We're going to have to find some wreckage to give these people like, they're not going to just fucking fall for like no plane at all. Yeah. So putting out part of a wing, Hey, we do have a wing that matches the same serial number and matches the same age. Everything is identical. Like, you know, they can track it all they want. It's from the exact plane. Hmm. So I think that that's what they did. And it was more of a misdirection thing of like, Hey, look at this plane that washed up on shore. The people that found it didn't even believe that it was like, dude, this looks like it was just planted here. Like it
0: was just a lot of people believe that. Yeah, yeah that's it, why it, the Russian hacker theory. They they think that like that's what happened is that they you know did what they needed to do. Yeah. and then dumped all the parts into the Indian Ocean. Yeah,
1: I believe that. In my opinion that that is what happened. Yeah.
0: So the Jeff Wise uh, explanation on the Netflix series, which is like the leading uh, one, is that yeah that he up until what Art says about like the making communications with the military. Uh, he gets through, you know, and then you lose sight of him in the Adam and Sea, and that he turns into um, the Indian Ocean and just keeps flying until he runs out of uh, gas, which puts him directly like in like no man's land of the Indian Ocean where it's out of like all air spaces, it's basically, it's just like the free ocean or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And they they estimate that it was uh, somewhere within the Indian Ocean that, you know, he ran out of gas and the plane just like crashes out of the sky into the ocean. Uh, very violent Indian Ocean because mm-hmm. um, the aftermath of all this is, is that many nations come together, Australia, China, United States, obviously Malaysia, you know, and um you know, Cambodia. All these places um, come together to like look for any wreckage. Uh, they spend like three years. It's like the most expensive expensive search for any aircraft in history. They're not finding anything, anything at all. Uh, even a a a company called Ocean Infinity out of yeah. Texas. You know, they actually start mapping. You know, the bottom of uh, the Indian Ocean, which. Had never been done before. Yeah, that's another important thing. Is that this is one of the least explored p- parts of the ocean because it's so violent. Like in the documentary, if it does do one good thing, it shows you how violent it is out there in the middle of like no man's land of the Indian Ocean, and like you know, you see all these waves crashing everywhere and whatnot. Like they're looking for three years, and, you know, and they they gotta look out for themselves or they become casualties as well. Yeah, Um, but they're you know they're not finding anything. And again, like I was saying, they were mapping the bottom of the ocean. They're not finding anything, but they're finding like valleys that are like three miles deep. They're finding volcanoes underneath like the ocean and like all this like cool unexplored area, which gets handed over, you know, to I guess this project where they want to map the entire uh, bottom of the ocean and whatnot, which is super cool. But with all of that technology, they're not they're still not finding shit uh, fast forward a couple years, though, a man named Blaine Gibson, <laughs> who uh, was a former lawyer, mm-hmm. uh, uses his inheritance money from a house. <laughs> That's the uh, those white people thing. I yeah, remember. yeah. <laughs> one of the whitest names, <laughs> one of the whitest people things yeah. ever is uh, sell like your inheritance. Uh, t- he goes um, on this uh, off of a tip, uh, I believe, to like a coast of Madagascar because he's like, hey, we're getting all this wreckage uh being washed up. You should come out and check this out. Now, he's I guess a retired lawyer, mm-hmm. so he has all the time in the world to like fly out to fucking Madagascar and shit yeah. and just like walk around the beaches and he finds a bunch of fucking parts that are either highly likely or most likely from, you know, flight 370 with some of the serial numbers or just the fact that like hey, this could only come from a 777. Um a lot of people think that he is working with the Russian government because when the USSR, the Soviet Union fell apart, he was one of the lawyers that went over there uh, to, you know, do I guess, legal cleanup efforts or whatever. So he's being accused as a Russian puppet. But then, on the other hand, they he's being labeled as an American. <laughs> puppet as well because if whatever theory you want to go through it it goes into that like whole theory that oh those parts were planted there
1: yeah I I think as far as the wing it does seem and they bring it up a little bit in the documentary the Netflix documentary how some of the people that found it like it's not like a beach resort so it's like the people that work at those beach resorts like they know they see this shit day in and day out and all of a sudden they see like a big old wing that's just like washed up there and Uh it's like Mm, that's kind of weird that it just fucking showed up all of a sudden, like just overnight, put, put like in a very convenient place where people go jogging or whatever. And it was like some dude like walking his dog or some shit that found it. Um, I don't know. I I find it unlikely, and it's like it doubles down because it's the exact wing that wing that was missing that that broke off during that mm, that I didn't collision. Know that part, yeah. So. I don't know it's it's the exact wing from that same like little flapper thing that was was that was found that was the one that broke off. but mm. um, yeah, I don't know i I still believe in in the theory that that I kind of came up with in my head, and I'm like, that seems
0: pretty likely to me, but yeah. I don't know. Another thing that points to it being um, the pilot. Is that you mentioned earlier that you know on his computer he had all these like flight paths uh, that were deleted? Yeah. Uh, one thing that the FBI were able to find, you know, when they were doing like their investigation, and they sat on this for two years, is that he actually the, the actual flight pattern that I was talking about that you know where he does the two U turns and then goes straight into the Indian Ocean. You know, as his gas, uh, you know, runs out. Yeah, he actually mapped that out on that actual flight uh, simulator. Yeah. And a lot of conspiracy theorists, like you know, brush that under the rug. Like, oh, we don't know if he actually ran that, you know, simulation or not. Doesn't matter. Who the fuck maps that fucking out? You know, and it's almost to a T. Even so much, and like this is like the to me the smoking gun for whatever you know you want to talk about. Where this is why I agree with you. I do think it is the pilot. Is that he actually makes two circles, or actually two tips around the island of Penang in Malaysia, which is where he was from. Mm. Now you got to put himself in his mindset. If he is suicidal and he's about to do what he's about to do, either crash it into some place, or he's gonna fly out into the middle of the Indian Ocean into some you know underwater volcano or whatever. Um, you have to think that like he's having like you know a, a moment where he's just like his taking his final glances at his hometown. Like where he looks this way, looks that way, and then makes his final U turn into the middle of the yeah. Indian Ocean kind of thing, and they actually have like his cell phone actually pinged at that exact island as well. Oh wow! I think
1: yeah. I mean, it's like the 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 hesitations hesitation marks of somebody trying to commit suicide. Correct. Like you know, it's not everybody fucking goes in for the kill right away. You know, mm-hmm. it's um. I think it's the most likely one. I know people try to be like, ah, but he didn't seem suicidal. Very likely. I mean, of all the theories, this one's the most likely. The dude flying the plane is the most likely. Of Also, his oh, yeah. marriage has ended. Everything's mm-hmm. falling apart. Seems to be struggling
0: with depression. Like Most of the proof points to him. Oh yeah. Now, mind you, we don't know and we might not ever know the actual truth of this and whatnot. Hell, yeah. it might it have been fucking, you know, China that did it. It, it might have
1: been, been UFOs, dude. It might have been a black hole that just opened up randomly and sucked it
0: in. A wormhole or whatever they say yeah. on the Skinwalker Ranch show or whatever, right? But, like, whatever it is, we probably won't ever know. But most of the actual facts, right? Not the made-up shit or whatever. Like, when you look at satellite data, when you look at radar data... It doesn't, it doesn't look good for him. And I know it's a heavy final toll to put on him, but you got to think, like, 230-plus people died on that plane, and he was at the helm. Either way, he has to take some kind of responsibility there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So.
1: I don't know. I hate to leave it on such a downer note, but in my opinion, this is all opinion-based, mm-hmm. I feel like it's got to be him. I would say, you know... He seems like the most likely guy. I mean, do do your own research. <laughs> but, like, but, like. Um, it was Hillary. Let's but just say it. it Hillary it, Clinton. George Soros. Yeah. yeah. yeah
0: the lizard man. What Black else? Lives Matter. Yeah. Spit in the face of a cop. Yeah. Try that in a small fucking light.
1: Have you seen that video of that girl going, like, that motherfucker back there is not real. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Dude, people are, like, saying that's, like, a lizard person or something like that, like, that that was back there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know dude like I feel like that's some shit that like she ate an edible before the fucking flight <laughs> and is like fucking trying to come together with her thoughts dude yeah. I, as someone who's taking edibles and you don't fucking people that don't do drugs like don't know what people that are on drugs look like dude you don't <laughs> fucking look like a fucking tweaker just cause you ate an edible you look like a normal ass person Yeah. but anyways um yeah I don't know I th- I think it was the pilot Mm-hmm. I mean that's all opinion based. Please don't fucking sue us or all this shit. But yeah. like I think I think it was a pilot. Most likely scenario, it's like the was it Opkins Racer or whatever? Like Oh yeah, Occam's razor. Occam's yeah. razor. Yeah. I mean this is that. Like it's like it's the most likely Scenario mm-hmm. The pilot, the guy that was flying the plane,
0: and, and I think that's like mostly there. And I think that, but the thing that we don't know is the why why did he do it? Maybe it was out of depression, maybe it was out of maybe he was gonna get caught for the child porn or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, whatever. I think it's just
1: as easy as like his wife left him, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, he his wife and children are no longer his life, he can't keep his life together. It was only a matter of time till his work life starts to fall apart. Yeah, luckily it hadn't. Well, I mean, maybe it would have been a good thing if it did fall apart. Mm-hmm. But, like, like, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like why, the whys, even the whys seem obvious. Like, yeah, this dude's life is falling apart. Like, he's, mm-hmm. like, pacing back and forth in a dark room playing flight simulator, you know, trying, you know, like, it just seems like it was, it was him.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you got to think, too, if he went home... <laughs> and still play it on a flight simulator after doing like five, 10 hours of like flights or whatever. Like, yeah, if you're, if you're going to commit suicide, you're not going to like bleed out your veins in a warm bathtub. Like you're going to, you're going to crash a plane. Yeah. No. Yeah. If that's your life. be
1: dramatic about it.
0: Yeah. But I guess, um, you know, after, you know, this, uh, disappearance of the flight, um, you know, there was, you know, other measures that were taken to help, you know, combat, you know, what, Further instances of this happening, uh, such as increased battery life on underwater locator beacons on the plane, lengthening of recording times on flight data recorders and cockpit voice recorders, and new standards for aircraft position reporting over the open ocean. So Mm -hmm. uh, if there is a silver lining, I guess you get that stuff. So,
1: Yeah, yeah. Even the black box thing is kind of weird. I didn't know it has like a certain time limit on the battery. Oh, really? Yeah, I guess it's only, like, 30 days of battery life on on black boxes. Oh, wow. That seems pretty short. I thought they were, like, I mean, I assume that they're not going to get found right away. No. But um, 30 days seems
0: pretty short. I honestly think, too, like, I mean, I know we have different opinions or whatever on um, the second half of our theories. But, like, if it is, you know, a crash in the middle of the Indian Ocean, you got to think that, like, if it hit that violent water that hard like those that plane pretty much almost disintegrated and all of those pieces all those metal pieces i don't think they just are just floating on top of like the oh water. no i mean they gotta sink yeah they're, they they're sinking they're sinking into like those grand canyon crevices that you know ocean infinity you know mapped there there's volcanoes down there so who's to say that you know the the fuselage you know didn't get you know engulfed with a bunch of fucking magma or some shit you know so like to me it's just like you're not going to find it, and I think one, um, the gentleman that was on the Megan Kelly podcast that was talking about that, like, even if you found the black box, or even if you found the whole plane, like, so what? Like, all 30, it's not going to bring any of those people back, like, it just confirms that what well, we pretty much already know, that the pilot fucking, fucking suicide murdered a bunch of people.
1: Yeah, no, I agree.
0: Yeah, but anyways, good topic, a lot of information, I know we skimmed over a lot of things, yeah. but... Do you go to the Wikipedia, sit there for four literally it took me like four hours to read the entire Wikipedia while I was in jury duty, so
1: <laughs> You know what? There's a lot of of podcasts out there about this and there's a lot of podcasts that like skim over things and like like the whole thing about him just being like, Oh, he was an upstanding citizen. Like they some podcasts kind of skip over the fact that he had just gotten a fucking divorce pretty much and like gotten Was living on his own. He was living in like a guest house that. Oh wow, I didn't know that. They also owned. Yeah, it was weird. Like his wife was not in the picture at all. But I don't know, dude. It. I. You know, that's why do your own research, dude. Yeah. (laughs) They're putting.
0: They're putting. They're making the frogs gay. There you go. Um. What's the the new Kennedy that's up here? The anti-vax Kennedy. Oh, I don't know. Robert Kennedy Jr. or whatever. Anyways, not to get into that. But anyways, guys, if you have any information that you want to talk to us about on the Malaysian. Flight 370, you have any, you know, theories that you want to float or whatever, get at us on all the social medias, at Art and Jacob Do America, except for Twitter, we at Art and Jacob Do A1, because goddamn, son, sometimes that's just how a steak is done, even when you're a mile up in the air and you're getting some of that shitty airline food. Just huh. slap on some A1 sauce and it's magnifique. Get at us there. Don't call us a million times like Ross does, guy. I don't have time <laughs> to take your phone calls. I have two children and six dogs in a dead mom's house to take care of. So get us out on all the social medias. I will contact you there. Uh, If you want to help this podcast in any way, guys, uh, guys, I highly recommend heading on over to the Patreon over at patreon.com slash where every single week we put together a bonus episode for your listening pleasure. And nine times out of 10, those episodes are better than the actual episodes that you're hearing today for free. So check us out over there. If you like us here, you'll love us over there as well as it helps support this podcast and keep the this dog and pony show running um if you want to help support us in any other way guys i highly recommend hanging on over to the official website rnjacobdoamerica.com follow the merch links we currently have four designs up there for your purchasing pleasure um and just not so much to help us monetarily we probably see a couple cents from every purchase made um, over there at the merch store, but it does help promote this podcast. So if you're over in Malaysia or Southeast Asia and you're uh, taking a five-hour flight to Beijing, and you know, you know, you're just, you're just chilling in the airport. I, you know what? Like one of my favorite things about you know flying is checking out the different airports. There's some lovely airports out there across the nation and across the world, except for LAX. LAX is a piece of shit. L <laughs> A, LA, you need to step your game up or whatever, right? It is
1: one of the worst. Like, if you're ever in a rush and you're headed to LAX, good luck, dude. You yeah. have to be there way earlier than any other airport. And I understand being there on time, like, and by on time is, like, at least an hour early. <laughs>
0: yeah. But
1: LAX is, like,
0: at least two hours early. And doing the research on this, like, looking at the Malaysian airport, like, I was like, man, this thing's beautiful. Like, yeah. I love it. But anyways, go to a beautiful airport. Wear an orange Jacob do America t-shirt. It helps promote this podcast. You are a walking billboard, if you will. helps us tremendously. You don't know how much it does. But anyways, guys, if you want to hear other great podcasts, guys, I highly recommend hanging over to podbelly.com where we are official members of the Podbelly Network. So check out other great podcasts such as um, Paranormal Punchers as well as Robots for Eyes and our homeboys over at the world-famous Selfie podcast. But other than that, Art, I'm done with this topic. I'm done, dude. My eyes were crossing. And I had like no more energy to write any more notes. So I was just like, "Dude, we're gonna we're gonna just fucking just skim over some of the basic it, details." It was
1: way more interesting than I thought it was gonna be. I, I have to admit, I thought it was gonna be more like UFOs, fucking idiot. <laughs> But, like, Yeah. It was way more interesting. I didn't think I was gonna come out with like a, my own theory of like, "Oh no, this fucking pilot." I think we can agree there that the pilot was involved. But yeah. Had to have been. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that that was the cool thing about this this, this episode. I didn't write a million notes or whatever but there is a million details so uh check it out for yourself but with that said guys i'm done so goodbye and good night